This is Dr. David Pomeroy, your host on ADHD Focus. I wanted to remind you that the show is not intended to be a recommendation for diagnosis or treatment of any condition for any specific person. Please consult your mental health professional or doctor managing your ADHD or mental health issues about any diagnosis or treatment related information that you hear on the show. Refer your ADHD provider to the show if he or she would like more information. Today, our topic is uh, how are you sabotaging your, yourself and your ADHD? What are the top things that are making things actually worse? My guest is Jeff Copper, an ADHD coach extraordinaire who has his practice dig coaching and does podcasts and blogs and all kinds of good things. Jeff, welcome to the program. Grateful to have you. Uh, grateful to have me on. I'm, I'm thankful to have this opportunity. And, you know, I think we're going to have a little bit of fun today kind of talking about some, some really serious stuff in a lighthearted way to get people's attention so they can kind of manage their ADD. Yeah, I think there, I mean, there are a number of strategies I think people think of, oh, yeah, I've got to get organized and have a whiteboard and, and uh, one thing and another. But the, the basics uh, are the foundation to all these other things we do. Absolutely. So um, I'd say the, the top two basics maybe are sleep and getting enough good sleep and nutrition. Um, what do you eat but also when and what kinds of of things i i i I totally agree with you like you know when you think about it if you're sleep deprived your your executive function that's taxed is already that much more taxed and so any system in the world is going to be difficult for you to do if you if you if you're sleep deprived one of the things that i do every once in a while with a neurotypical is, I, you know, I'll ask them that time where, you know, they were up 24 hours or something like that, and I basically start asking, you know, how were you functioning in that moment? And they're like, well, I'm having a hard time focusing, a hard time making a decision. I'm like, well, yeah, that's, that's what sleep deprivation can do you. So if you've got ADHD, why would you make it worse by depriving yourself of sleep, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's something that can be kind of, it is unconscious, it slips in there, and I, I always ask, how are you sleeping? And a number of people come up with a, a rationalization. Well, you know, I need some time for myself, or I've got all these things to do, and I get thinking about uh, all the stuff that uh, I need to do. And so I just start doing it, and I get kind of lost in doing them. Um, whereas the making the conscious choice that... Sleep is important. What are the steps I can do to make sure I get a solid, I'd say at least seven and a half and better eight hours of sleep? So, you know, that, one of the things that I've learned in, over my years of coaching is, you know, when it comes to sleep, you know, you have rationally, you should, I should go to bed at this time, I should get up at this time, and I find that people struggle to self-regulate to do that. Um, we talk about sleep hygiene. We talk about stuff like that. But when I'm working with clients, I basically ask them, "What do you, what do you, what's your brain entertaining itself with at night?" Mm-hmm. And, and I, the, the, YouTube is a big one right now. People will sit down, they'll get onto that thing, and you know, I tell people, you know, do you realize these people 
there's a computer studying your behavior and they know exactly what's going on they're going to serve you something up that's going to be like fun entertaining and the issue is sleep I learned from Dr. Olivardia is basically your brain has to surrender itself to sleep and if you're dealing with something that's fun and exciting and stimulated who the hell would want to go to sleep I mean I talk about the, the, the experts tell me that when you put your head on the pillow between then and the time you fall asleep it should take about 15 minutes and that's like the 15 minutes of the most boring time of the day, and people with ADHD, they can't stand it. So they leap out of bed, and they go entertain themselves. And so the issue is not getting up in the morning. It's actually going to sleep at night. Thoughts on that? Yeah. And I, I think uh, it's, it's a, avoiding going to sleep because yes. either, um, and of course, this is a time when if you take medications, they aren't working anymore. Yep. And... Um, you there's always something more interesting than lying down and going to sleep. Hey, I, I, and like yeah. you say, entertaining yourself. Oh, I'm going to watch one more Netflix or one more yeah. YouTube. You don't even think about doing it. That little circle comes on yep. and it says, oh, "Play now." Sucker, keep keep watching me. Keep watching me. So one of my things as a coach is I I, I work with people and say, you know, you got to be conscious and intentional about this. And if you if you really think about it what you need is something at night to engage your attention that is interesting enough to capture attention but not too interesting where you won't surrender yourself to sleep so what that would look like and again what will work for one person is different from everybody but I've had mm -hmm. some uh, some success sometimes with adult coloring books where you're sitting there you're coloring the dots or I've had some people that just doodle um, one woman I remember, she turned all the lights in her house off, so it was all pitch black, I mean completely black, and she had like one of those minor flashlights on her head, so it was like a spotlight, and she would go around doing busy work, like dishes yeah. and laundry, stuff that engaged her mind a little bit and kept it occupied, but it would surrender itself, and so it's kind of like finding a thing that's like a post-it note, it's sticky enough to stick to the wall, but not too sticky will rip the paint off. Um, yeah. I, and, and, go ahead. I think the uh, the trap with some people is, in terms of the busy work, is more a, I have to get this done. I didn't get um, the dishes done, and I have to have this ready, and they get caught up in the doing and have to. Um, and, yeah, that's helpful to do that, um, but keeping keeping in mind yep. the, what's your your ultimate goal is, to get the sleep so the next day you feel yep. better you're able to do those things um, more easily they aren't such a drag on your energy because when your energy's down like you say yep. you aren't um, putting the energy you need into making decisions yep. and choosing to do what you need to instead of diverting yourself because you're tired and well why not I call the McDonald's effect. I deserve a break today. <laughs> so you, you bring up a good point because a lot of times people are doing the busy work at night, but there's another realm of here is is you've got the people that call themselves a night owl when they're sitting down and they're doing some heavy executive functioning work. And one of the things that I try to emphasize is that when you're going to do a task that is exceptionally effortful, thinking inside your head is basically loading information kind of like a computer. You've got to boot it all up you have all the tools to work on it. And if you're 
constantly being interrupted, you keep having to reboot your screen, reboot, reboot. So a lot of times people, they just find themselves doing the work at night because they're not interrupted. And there's not yep. exciting things. So like during the day, it's like they don't want to miss out on something. They wait till later in the evening and they're getting this stuff done because they're not interrupted. So their mind can sit there and not have to restart and restart. And the thing about this is if you don't have the self-awareness is you'll stay up doing that type of stuff to get the things done and become sleep deprived. Whereas if you understand the reason you can do it at night is because you're uninterrupted without those distractions and you can replicate it during the day, you could actually get something done and not be sleep deprived at night as opposed to letting everybody come in and stop your thinking process. Because at the end of the day, ADHD is an executive function impairment. Thinking inside your head is impaired. Interruptions are harder from you, and during the day, if you're allowing those interruptions to come in, you don't really have any thinking time. So you're moving it to the evening and creating a sleep deprivation problem because you're not consciously managing that during yeah. the day. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it, it quite definitely is the, the consciously managing it. I like the, the kind of looking at the background, what reason are you doing that? And... Again, people come up with all kinds of things to rationalize. Well, I can't keep my door closed, and I've got to be able to be available to my team or to my kids or whatever. Well, um, there are ways to get around that and making that conscious. I want to make getting to sleep and have, I guess making helping my brain work better. Yep. Thing because that's yes it's sleep and that's also getting some intentional physical activity and eating right and not just uh, having some junk foods <laughs> so that I can stay up and work and you're having you know chips and salsa or so let's transition into that because I know diet's a big deal for you and you know one of the things that you sabotage yourself is when you're sleep deprived and you're tired. You, in, you, you instinctively seek out foods that are going to kind of give you energy. And if you take a look at junk foods, things that are really high in carbohydrates and sugar are, are going to attract you because they feel good in that minute. But it's like, it's like, hey, sucker, come over here. Because at the end of the day, that stuff will kick in and give you high. But there's a crash when it's over with. Yeah. Yep. And, and when you start to really think about those foods and fast food in particular, they're designed to appeal to your primitive brain. So as you... As you get sucked into those, you get these highs and lows of crashes. And I know we want to get into supplements in a second because you're a big fan of that or, or it makes some sense. But you mm -hmm. get into that stuff as opposed to like having protein because protein is really good for manufacturing neurotransmitters. So as I, I've learned, you know, protein for breakfast is not breakfast. It's a medication. Like you, you think about it as your medications for your brain to work optimally. And having protein scattered around the house so you can eat during the day because another issue is like, you know, you have that big high and you take your meds and you're not hungry through the day and then you crash at the end and you, yeah. you really pray to the stuff. And the idea here really is you get lured into this stuff as opposed to saying, listen, I got to get up in the morning. I'm going to have my protein bar next to my medication. So I'm going to take that first thing and then I'm going to take the, like, 
again, think of, of protein and breakfast and lunch as, as medication, not food. You have that during the day. So in the evenings, you're not as starved for some of that stuff because we have research now that suggests people with ADHD's life expectancy is 8 to 20 years less than everybody. And one of the reasons is of people with ADHD are, are, are drawn to a Western diet, which is higher incidence of cardiac, higher incidence of, of, of diabetes, etc. So going back to this stuff is... You're getting sucked back into this stuff, and if you're sleep deprived, you're more yearning for some of that stuff. So it it, yeah. it just cascades. Yeah. So thoughts on this? It it's um yeah your your uh, brain has learned. You learn that yeah I get a um, a rush when I um, have a soda that's got a lot of sugar yep. in it, or I'm gonna just have a, a snack and it's something like caramel corn uh, mm -hmm. that again, has the sugar and you, you kind of feel full and you get that initial rush. Maybe that's more tempting at night because your meds aren't there. Uh, whereas the, the protein takes longer to break down and yep. yeah, it leads to some carbs and energy, but you get this steady level of it instead of the jump from the sugar and then insulin comes out and it drops everything down. <laughs> Yeah, they get the <laughs> crash, and I, I mean, th kids think of, or people think of kids. Okay, yeah, maybe they have some breakfast, and then they aren't hungry for lunch, and they get home from school, and they're uh, grumpy, and they have a headache, and um, well, adults do the same thing, but they don't even realize it, or they're, mm -hmm. yeah, I have to have something to eat, and so they go to the snack machine and get something. Uh, um, and one thing, I mean, a lot of people think of protein, okay, I have to have eggs and bacon. And there's uh, this concept of complementary proteins. So uh, there are, I think it's 17 essential amino acids. We can't make them from something else. We have mm -hmm. to. And if milk has, for instance, 10, I'm just throwing that number yep. out there, and whole wheat grains or whole wheat toast has nine, some of them are different, you put the two together, you get all 17. Mm -hmm. So if you have some milk and whole wheat toast and peanut butter on it, okay, that's a complementary protein set. Yes. Um, or you have cheese and, um, again, some grains or whole wheat stuff. So it's not, doesn't have to be as boring as you have to have eggs every morning. Absolutely. Talking about brain food now. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. The, the brain food that keeps you going on a steady level. You don't have this up and down mm -hmm. of, uh, sugar stuff. Um, and, yeah, there are supplements in there. They, they don't necessarily make the, they don't take the place of protein, um, but they can help with, some of the aspects of the ADHD brain, yep. um, like tyrosine. L tyrosine is the metabolic building block before dopamine. Well, if you have specifically supplement with that, your system's going to be able to make the most dopamine it's programmed to make. So then there's more stuff for medications to work on. And 
Can, can, can I highlight that for a second? But understand that dopamine as a neurotransmitter is the reward neurotransmitter. It's very important when it comes to human evolution because it's the reason we procreate. It's the reason we forage for food. It's the reason people come in from the cold or come mm -hmm. in from the heat or the urge to go to the bathroom. And the thing that always amazed me, I, I look at dopamine as the molecule of more or really the motivation molecule because it's the reward system to the brain. So we talk a lot about motivation and passion and interest, but at the end of the day, oversimplified, it's your brain's quest for dopamine. And what you're talking about is, hey, we need this at its highest levels um, in order for your brain to function. So it really makes a lot of sense to optimize it through these types of things in mm -hmm. nutrition so that you have it all that's there so you're running all, all cylinders. So again, I just really want to emphasize that when we're looking at dopamine, think of it as highly correlated to motivation, and the more you can get of this, the better it is for you. Make sense? Yeah. Um, and the other thing is that, and people hear of, yes, the reward center, and there is a specific center of the reward center. Mm -hmm. Dopamine hits that, feels good, and you want to do that. But dopamine is also the neurotransmitter that is in the prefrontal cortex, a part of the yep. brain that's involved with the executive functions. And what medications do is help more dopamine stay in that connective space between the nerves so that then the signals get transmitted. Exactly. Better. So that's the other side of dopamine besides the just reward part. That's what makes yep. um, meds work, the amphetamines and the methylphenidate or Ritalin kinds of things. And, and just to capitalize on that, having that dopamine in that gap when it comes to medication, it doesn't tell you what to pay attention to and it doesn't teach you to right. get organized. What it does is it helps you sustain focus longer on something you would ordinarily have difficulty. So as I describe it, if you could read four pages of a book before you lost focus and you can read four chapters now, it's having an impact. Going mm -hmm. back to your comment why this is so important and so such a big part of nutrition is by taking these types of supplements is you're setting your brain up for success. Yes, yes, and two um, ones that are, I think, neglected, and yet you can show that they help ADD mm -hmm. are magnesium and zinc, mm -hmm. and those are what are called cofactors in biochemical reactions. So, yes, changing one thing into another at metabolic steps, um, you could do it if the temperature was 140. Works in our brain, it's not on. <laughs> um, but when you have magnesium there, that drives the reac reaction so it can happen at our body temperatures. And so the magnesium and zinc are important to have as cofactors in there. Um, and like many things, too much is <laughs> not good and uh, the wrong kind of magnesium. And then it's like taking milk and magnesia. Well, you're going to spend more time in the bathroom than you are being <laughs> um, And one called magnesium glycinate is one that's better absorbed, doesn't hang out in your intestine and cause the problems. Um, and that means it's there to, to do its stuff. You, you, you also have some recommendations to help with anxiety, right? Yeah, and there's there, uh, one thing that's... Uh, omega-3 supplements, fish oil. And one of the things that just bothers me so much, and I see it in professional literature as well as in 
other publications that, oh, omega-3s didn't work. Well, okay, how much and what was the balance of EPA and DHA, which are the two brain-active ones, and those aren't talked about. Well, mm -hmm. if you're using just any old fish oil, um, it may not work. But if it's higher in those two, then those are the brain-active ones. DHA is actually part of neuron structure. Mm. You can make neurons better, and you're laying down more neurons going in the direction you need them. And actually, um, when you exercise, you're being able to make more of those in the two hours afterwards. Another place exercise is important. <laughs> Can't wait to get to that one. But, yeah. but but you bring up something that's really important. When you go out in 80 to world, you know, situational variability and specificity is really, really important. And making the discernment when you're taking omega-3s as to, okay, it might not be having an impact because it doesn't have the parts that you need. And, and this is mm -hmm. where it's it's difficult because you're not marketed this way. You're just told omega-3s are good across the board with little discernment on the differences. And so I'm kind of glad you brought that up so that our people can make that distinction. Yeah, and and uh, what I've looked at and what I understand is having at least a total of 1,500 milligrams of the EPA plus DHA, that's how much you need. Well, a mm. lot of things are like 600 EPA and 300 DHA. You're going to have to take a lot of those. Yep. Um, and you find ones that are more, um, actually there's one kind that's, I think it's a seven to one ratio. I uh, can't remember the exact milligrams, but if you had three of the 500 milligram capsules, and thankfully they make them that size, so they're swallow. <laughs> um, if you have three 500 milligram capsules, you're getting 1,450 milligrams of the two you need. Mm. So it's kind of more efficient. Yep. Um, so let's get to the. I've taken to calling it intentional physical activity. Ah. A lot of people, you know, hear exercise and hope. Um, That's my favorite. Yeah, um, jump. No, and it's so, so, and actually it's a big part of being able to get sleep better. One of the more direct correlations, exercise more, sleep better. So... This is one of my favorite topics for a couple reasons. One, being a coach and working just as a coach, period, working in the ADHD community and being an ex-athlete. I, uh, um, I was a competitive swimmer. Um, I was actually ranked in the world at one point in time. For the Canadians that are out there, Alex Bauman actually was at Indiana for a brief period of time. He won Olympic gold in the 84 Olympics in the 204 and IM. I remember John with him back in the old days watching um, – uh, well, I forget. So anyway, I'm getting off the topic. My point really is, is that exercise. If we could put it in the bill in a pill, it would be the ADHD drug of the century. You exercise can help with sleep. It can help with diet. It can help. Um, just there's a there's a level of mindfulness that kind of goes along with it. So it's mm -hmm. really there. But the thing about it that always blows me away is people don't understand. They don't they don't give it the respect it deserves. Anything that is repetitive and boring is a characteristic of something people with ADHD have a hard time with. And when you think about exercise, for me, swimming was one. Swimming around a black line for 10 miles a day is the definition of boring. So the question is, is we all know exercise is good, but why is it people don't do it? And the reason I say is it's a repetitive and boring task, and nobody's solving for the problem. If you're going to exercise, you've got to bring something that's going to stimulate your brain. And I say... 
I, I say this often, is when it comes to exercise, it's social, it's social, it's social. Did I say it was social? Because yeah, you mentioned that. It, 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 exercise tends to be done with other people. Now, there's, there, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get into standard deviations, and you know, there are people outside on the outliers that can do this, but, but by and large, exercise is a social activity. It's done with other people. It's a, it's a means to kind of keep you engaged. And I say this because I used to swim 15,000 yards a day, four hours a day, all the way through college a little bit afterwards. But ever since 1988... I've always had an exercise partner. I still work out and I still swim, but it's rarely by myself, rarely. And so when I'm working with people that need to exercise, it's let's figure out the brain stimulation and exercise is a secondary activity. Too often we focus on exercise itself and I, get, I just got to get up, I just got to do this or whatever, and it doesn't solve the problem. And so if you've got ADHD, you got to solve for that brain stimulation, whether you're listening to a podcast or watching TV or checking out cute girls in the gym room. Or for me, it was competition. I, I, there's no way I could do a plank for my, my body, but if somebody's next to me and I'm trying to beat them, that's the brain stimulation that I need to kind of get mm -hmm. it done. And so, yeah. again, exercise is really important. But the, the question is, most people aren't doing it because they're not realizing they've got to solve for the, the stimulation. Thoughts on that? And Well, I think the um, one thing, and it works for me, is this stimulation is I'm aiming for something. So I'm a cyclist. I like to do, hey, 20 miles is a nice morning, and 40 miles is a pretty good day. Um, but I know if I'm training to do a ride in... September that's going to be 30 miles and 3,600 feet of elevation gain, I've got to be able to yep. uh, include some hills in there. And um, some of it's distance, but also other things as far as endurance part. I also know I have to eat right. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and not just beforehand, but I have to replace with some carbs and protein the things that have been used up and yep. muscles. So it, it's a bunch of things. Stimulation, it can be, yeah, you're going for a walk in the morning on a nice day and you're seeing sky that's not just gray, that certainly applies out here in Seattle. Um, and yes, there are social things. A lot of people do much better when they have uh, a partner to go for a walk mm -hmm. and they both encourage that person or person, hey, come on, we got to be ready in 10 minutes. Yep. Oh, yeah, well, okay, I guess I'll do it. Um, and, yeah, going to a gym can be social, but not exercise doesn't have to be, I'm sitting aside an hour and a half, and I have to go to the gym and <laughs> certain you know, weights or whatever. Yep. Not at all. It, it can be taking a 15-minute break for a walk at lunch, and you take one at, at home, Two 15-minute walks actually yep. gives you about the value of a 30-minute one. So it's, I have a lot of respect for Dr. John Ray, who wrote the book Spark mm -hmm. and really talks yes. a lot about this. And, and, and everybody, utmost respect. I'm, I'm going to, being who he is, he talks a lot about exercise, and, it's, and like I said, it's great. And there's a prescription a lot of times they'll say, you need to do cardio three times a week for 30 minutes and stuff like that. And I totally, totally subscribe to that. However, mm -hmm. as a coach... People say, how much exercise should I do? And I go, the amount you will do. Like, if, you won't, if you'll do 20 minutes, but you're not going to do 30 minutes, realize that you won't do any of all. I'd rather you do 20 minutes and do it than 30 minutes and not all. And then the exercise you should do is not what you should do, but what you will do. 
Yes, exactly. And, and, I, and I've done a lot of presentations where I actually make the distinction because we think about exercise as exercise, but you know, there's team sports. <clears throat> if you've got a learning disability, team sports can be difficult because you've got to learn different types of schemes and that might, might not be the right realm for you. There's individual sports. I was a swimmer. That's an individual sport, although there's a lot of socialization. Then there's non-competitive sports. There's sports that you can do because some people don't really like the competition of all. Then there's other things you can get some exercise like chopping wood. I've actually had people yep. before that would they would just split a cord of wood, maybe sell it, but their exercise was they enjoyed doing that. Boy, so when you yep. look at exercise, you break it down into different kind of components, and sometimes ex certain exercises might not be for you because maybe you don't work well in teams, or maybe you, you don't really do mm -hmm. well under competition. But you take a look at what works for your individual brain and mold the exercise to your brain, not try to get your brain to do the exercise you think it should. Yeah, and um, some kids, even adults, yeah, they like basketball, and sure, they may like being in a group that plays four-on-four four basketball you know, four days a week, but also just going out and shooting hoops on your own. Yep. That's getting you moving. You've got a goal and a reward. Hey, I made another basket, yep. or I learned how to do this move. Uh, it doesn't have to be you're in the game in competition in the way you're competing against yourself. Yep. Um, but something like you say, what will you do? Yep. Um, that's where I am using more the intentional physical activity idea of, yep, you've got an intent, you're going to go out and play basketball, shoot some hoops, you're going to run, um, you're going to run with a group of people you know, you're going to walk, you're going to chop wood, something it's, you're being intentional about doing it. Um, and, yeah, getting moving makes a huge difference. And as John Rady uh, said in his, his book, Spark, one of the, and I had known this, I think it's, it's pretty neat, um, there's a brain development neurotropic factor. Mm -hmm. factor mm -hmm. And that's what helps neurons grow yep. in your brain. So you can set down new pathways, which is what we want to do with ADD because the old ones haven't been working. Well, that's, there's more of that available in a couple hours after exercise. Yes. So studying for an exam in college, if you go for a walk and sit down and study, you're going to be able to put down new facts better. Yes. So it's, that's part of the, the key to helping our brain work better. And we're, we're starting out one down with ADD. <laughs> and, yeah medications can help but that doesn't give you the same boost yep. as the exercise as getting sleep you can take all that or all you want and you'll be it's, awake but you're still not going to be yeah if you're doing all this other stuff wrong that's not going to help that we're going to take a break here to let all that we have talked about sink in join us for the second half of my discussion with jeff copper next week this is Dr. David Pomeroy, and you've been listening to ADHD Focus. Talk to you next week. Make it a great one. <laughs>